Hello, everyone. I'm here today with my sister friend, Devalila, from Ananda Village. She's in charge of the Korea Ministry of there, and it's a great pleasure to have her with us today. Nice to see you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. A lot of the people we've talked to have, not a lot, but some of the people we've talked to have grown up at Ananda Village. I know that you came as a grown-up, not as a child. Um, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about who you were before you came to Ananda, what your interests were, how you grew up. Give okay. us a little background. Well, I uh, I grew up in Lake Tahoe, not very far from here, mm -hmm. and actually have always lived in this area. I live at Ananda Village. I've been here, living here for almost 22 years now, which is hard to believe. But I... I grew up in a uh, maybe an agnostic household would be the best uh, description. My parents were open to uh, spirituality, but they weren't really following any particular faith. And I remember my <clears throat> my mother took my brother and I to several different churches at one point mm -hmm. and asked us if we were if we wanted to go to church, we could choose which one we wanted to go to. And we decided as children to go together to a little Christian church. It was a small uh, Christian church up the, up the road from our house. And we went on our own together. My parents didn't go. So it's kind of unusual that way. But we... Uh, you know, I had a deep relationship with Christ as a child. And then when I got into my teenage years, I, I kind of, that waned. I want to go back for a moment. Did okay. you get to know Jesus in that little church? Or did you have the relationship and that's why you liked the church? Which one, do you know which way it went? Um, I, I think really how it happened is through a, a neighbor who was a Christian. She, she, she had a daughter the same age as me. And so we, we were together a lot. And, but my friend's mother was to me and still is to me the example of a true Christian. She was just very loving and open and kind and just uh, lived the teachings of Christ. And it was in her, I think, that that awakened that that relationship with Christ as as a living uh, presence. And I remember just really feeling that, you know, when I would go to nursery school or not nursery it wasn't nursery school, it's uh, Sunday school, and looking at the picture of Christ and really feeling that deep connection. How very fortunate you were. You know, that it's the living links that really make it. So so this was your childhood. Your childhood then was in the company of Christ. Yeah. Starting to say when you got to high school, things began to shift? Yeah, I think just growing up and uh, things became a little difficult for us as a family. Um, my father died, and we just didn't have that family connection of going to church. And my friend and her her family moved away. So it was, I just ended up getting in with some 
other crowds, again, just seeking deeper peace, but not, but going in the wrong routes. So it's like all your supports or your major supports went away at the same time. They did. Well, that they is, did. I remember making that choice too. Huh. Like I was, uh, I was thinking that maybe if I, if I, um, just sidestep the spiritual path, I can come back to it. I remember having that thought when I was like 12 years old huh. <clears throat> that, that I would come back to it. And, but the thing is, is it's not always so easy to come back to it. It's not really like that where you can turn on the switch and turn it off. I mean, I, I knew there was some level of my being that knew it was a, a risk to do that, but I also knew I needed to uh, go experience life without the spiritual path. There was part of me that needed to work out some other karma before I was sincere enough to really dedicate myself. Isn't that amazing how wise the soul is? Yeah. The, the fact that you were, t well, 12 is a very important astrological cycle and 12 is a big change time, but your mm -hmm. soul knew exactly what it was doing. Yeah. Were you frightened about the choice you were making at the age of 12? Um, yeah, I suppose there was a little bit of fear. Maybe I recognized that um, I was gambling a little bit. It felt slightly like a little bit of a gamble, yet one that was irresistible, one that I knew I needed to take. Because I think if I would have just stayed with uh, a Christian faith or stayed with that track, you know, going to the church and just following along, that it wouldn't be as authentic as it is now. It would, it would just be following along. Because there were certain things that didn't make sense to me um, that were starting to not make sense. Like, I remember the, the pastor giving a sermon once on reincarnation and how it wasn't real, that it was a big lie, you know. And I didn't, at that time, I didn't know what reincarnation was consciously, but I knew that was wrong. I thought that's that didn't seem right. So I was coming up against certain things um, in that church that were not, you know, yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like I could keep going that, that way and be living my true self, I guess. And all of this, you knew at 12, one way or another, whether you, whether you could have put adult words on it or not, but you knew what you were doing. Yeah. So what did you do at the end? Well, then I, <laughs> I, um, to make a long story short, I spent the next years uh, experimenting with lots of different friends and groups, some that took me in wrong directions mm -hmm. and actually ultimately uh, led to me at 23 years old, realizing that is definitely not um, what I want for my life. And I, I turned, my whole life turned around at about 23 years old. So you um, did a perfect 12 year cycle. Yeah. You did the I did. Next Jupiter cycle. I'm not, I'm not a big astrologer, but I know the 12 year cycle. So you, you were a spiritual person and then you said, I'm going to take a holiday from God. <laughs> and you went out there and, and tested alternate theories of being happy. Right. <laughs> 
And so what happens at 23 then? I started seeking again uh, through various ways. Through I went back to the Christian church, um, but I didn't find quite what I was looking for. I couldn't, it was missing something. And I felt a certain hypocrisy um, in the people of the church versus the teachings. And I couldn't really give myself fully to it, yet I still believed in Christ. So it was a little bit of a dilemma. Then my sister introduced me to New Age uh, teachings. Mm -hmm. And she actually took me to a psychic, which was so outside of my comfort zone at the time, but yet it opened my mind to something else, to something beyond uh, tradition. And I do believe this, the psychic that she took me to was a true psychic. She was really accurate in some of the things that she said, and it, it just it opened my eyes to something else, and I started seeking other teachings. I started reading about different things. I went to, uh, for a period of time, I went to an energy healer, mm -hmm. this woman who just, who didn't touch you at all. She just laid hands, like, on your aura and did this energy work, and I, it was pretty remarkable, uh, some of the the events that happened as a result of my work with her, she really helped me in a lot of ways bring balance back to my life. And she actually taught meditation. And so I started going to her meditation class. Um, and I should preface this by saying there was part of me that uh, that knew that meditation was something for me. I, I started hearing about how meditation helps you, and I bought a book on how to meditate. Mm -hmm. That was my first exposure. And when I, when I first tried to meditate, I was shocked at how much noise there was going on in my mind. I had never really stilled my, myself before ever not like that and but yet it, even in that really um, disturbing experience because it did feel disturbing I knew there was a key there and it's so that's interesting to me always because it wasn't a pleasant um, first experience of meditation at all but I knew but I pursued it anyway because I knew there was something there for me so um, then I met this woman. We I started going to her classes for quite some time. But there was always, all along the way, everything that I explored, there was always this, um, maybe not entirely where I could entirely give myself to this path or this teaching. Mm -hmm. I always had a reservation. Mm -hmm. Something would come up that would make me doubt or not. It wasn't quite mine. And I remember a, a moment when I was driving my car. It was soon before I found Ananda. I was driving in my car, and I was longing. I was praying for my true teacher, but in a way that I never had before. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there was this, uh, there was this deep um, 
call in my heart. And forgive me for uh, being teary-eyed, but it, it kind of, um, it just brings up so much gratitude, really, that that, that all happened this way. Um, so I was still going to this meditation group and one of the women in the group said to me one day after after you know every week we would meet together one of the women had just visited ananda and she said you know melody who was that was my name at the time she said melody i really think that you should go to ananda you should it's it just seems like that's the right place for you to go go explore and I the way that she said it I I said okay and I made a reservation to come to the expanding light and that was in 1996 and I uh, came I didn't know who Yogananda was I didn't know who Swami Kriyananda was you know and Sorry, but I, I just, I came and that was, it was amazing to me. I came, I actually ended up arriving in the middle of the night because there was a snowstorm and there was um, difficulty getting over the pass. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up arriving after everything had closed down, but someone showed up to show me to my room and I go to my room and there's all these pictures of the masters, you know, and I don't know who any of them are, but I felt so, I felt familiar. There was something familiar in it. And, you know, I, um, slept, <clears throat> I slept that night. The next morning I go into the, uh, dining room area where, where we have breakfast and there was part of me that was on guard to that I didn't want to be converted to something uh, that I didn't want to do, you know, because I was so used to that. It seemed like everyone was trying to convert you to their belief. And the, sh the thing is, is that no one converted, no one tried to convert me. Mm -hmm. And it was because of that, that I was open to these teachings mm -hmm. um, because it kind of caught me off guard. I was really expecting that. And uh, it was after that that I read the AY and that I read The Path. And I remember when I read The Path, mm -hmm. that was the thing that really cemented my relationship with Master and with Ananda because I remembered that years before, I had um, been searching, you know, during that search time from 23 on for some years. I was in a bookstore and I saw the autobiography of a yogi and the path. And the autobiography of a yogi had master's picture, obviously, and there was a there was a draw to that. It was very intriguing. It, it was, you know, there was something about it. But it was the path, it was Swami's picture that I couldn't put down. Mm. Yeah, but I did because I wasn't ready. Yeah. And then when I read his, when I was reading the path, I, it just flooded, that memory came back to me. Mm -hmm. 
and I I remembered this is what you know I so it's like I look back and I see at 23 I start to make my way back Mm -hmm. and so these little whispers come Mm -hmm. along the way seven years so I was 30 when I came when I first came to Ananda so I, for seven years, I'm searching neti, neti, not this, not that, not this, not that. But there were these little hints along the way. And when my heart said, I want, I, I am ready. I really want my true teacher. It was not even, I don't even think it was six months later when I came to Ananda. And then I, after I left, it was just a weekend, but after I left, I came back home and I, I recognized that this path is what I've been seeking my whole life. It took me a couple of years before I moved here, but I, um, I knew very quickly that this was it. There was, and you know, the, the longer I've been on the path, the more I go into the teachings, the more that is uh, convincingly real, it it is my truth, and I've never wavered from that. I've never had that doubt that used to come up before in other way in other teachings before, because this is my path. Not that other paths are are let necessarily uh, lesser or something like that. It's just that. When you have found your path, the one that is yours, there's there's an inner knowing, and I'm just so grateful, so grateful for that. In 1996, Swami Kriyananda was still on the planet, and yeah. you and you were moved greatly by his book. Did you meet him at that first visit? Did you meet him later? What role did he play in the in the years after that? I believe he was in Italy um, at that time, mm-hmm. and I uh, I did not meet him. Um, I took discipleship that summer, mm-hmm. and um, I think it was when was, it was in 1998. I I was when I um, first had real contact with Swami. I did meet him. Before that, he came to Reno, Nevada, Mm -hmm. which is where I was living. I was born in Tahoe, but I was living in Reno Mm -hmm. uh, for a while before I moved here. And he came to Reno. He was on a circuit doing classes on vibration and music, Mm -hmm. the power of music and vibration. And because of my experience here, uh, that first experience, that amazing, incredible experience of kind of knowing and just my heart totally opening i i knew that i i definitely wanted to meet swami kriyananda and so i think it was maybe even in 96 or 97 you might remember more when he was doing that tour i went to a class on vibration and music and he was talking about how rock and roll music tends to emphasize the ego and that, you know, spiritual music will help awaken your your uh, soul nature and your higher aspirations. And it was such a powerful, profound talk 
to me that I went home and I threw out all of my um, music, all of my rock. I I was actually I had a lot of rock and roll music, and I threw I threw it all away, and I bought a whole bunch of chanting um, uh, tapes, cassette tapes at the time. Uh-huh. And I played them all the time because I wanted change. I wanted to change my consciousness, and I knew that I had to apply every possible tool that I could. And it made sense to me, perfect sense, that vibration affects us. And so that was that was tremendous. And I, I'll say one other thing about that is I went with a friend who was not a really close friend. She was just more, I went with a few people actually, but one of the people I went with, I spoke with later. I ran into her a couple weeks later and I said, wasn't that an amazing talk? And she said, no, I I didn't really get that much out of it. And And I was shocked, you know, but it kind of goes to to say like, what is our path or where we are? Maybe whether we're open or our readiness, perhaps. It was it was very interesting to me that she didn't. I couldn't believe that she didn't see what I saw or felt what I felt. But I think we see that all the time on the path, you know. I think you know your journey is your journey is one where the soul knows everything that you're talking about is essentially like your your mind and your physical self followed but your soul was clearly in charge of your destiny from start to finish so i'm going to just skip way ahead so now i mean that's a very compelling and an absolutely wonderful story about how master picked you out of the crowd and plopped you down so now for many years you've been living at ananda village i um, you met your husband at ananda village also yes so, yes vishnu uh-huh. Yes. And he arrived from another part of the world, is that correct? He arrived from South Africa, uh-huh. and uh, I was here four years when I met him. Uh-huh. And it was very interesting. I, I think that uh, Master placed him in my life as well. You know, there's there's all these non-coincidences that, that happen. And I... Um, you know, I wasn't really, I was open to being single the rest of my life. I wasn't the type of person who was desperately needing a relationship or wanting that necessarily. And I, but yet there was something in me that, that was wanting that connection. And I um, met him and we, Immediately, there was a soul recognition there, and it was at the time of uh, right after 9-11, so it was 2002 when we met, and there was a lot of uh, difficulty with visas and traveling back and forth, and Swami Kriyananda was here at the village at that time mm-hmm. when when we met, when Vishnu was here, and he... Uh, Vishnu was was going to, he had an extension on his visa, but he was wanting to stay. We felt a deep connection, a deep desire to get married. And I knew that it was a little fast, Mm -hmm. perhaps, for most people, because we actually didn't know each other all that long 
mm-hmm. when we had that um, desire to get married. So I remember I called uh, Joe Tish and Davy, mm-hmm. and I said, uh, Joe, I, it was Davy actually, and I said, Davy, um, could we meet with you? Because I really want to talk to you about our relationship, and we are wanting to get married, but I want to talk to you first. And I could feel the tone in Davy's voice like, like, Oh, you know, like this is way too fast because I knew. And I, I said, well, wait, let's all, um, don't decide right now. Let's wait and meet. But there was this other part of me though that was willing to take no for an answer because I had enough experience in my life previous to getting here that knew that it does not work to try and push your way through. I, I went that route and it created suffering, pain and disconnection. And I, so I was, you know, both of us were willing to hear whatever the answer was, but we also wanted to at least have the opportunity to give them time to think about it. And the next morning, Davy called me and she said that Jyotish and Davy had an opportunity to ask Swamiji. Mm-hmm. And Swamiji uh, was sitting there and he said, she said, you know, gave him the, the question and he closed his eyes. And then he opened his eyes and he said they should go forward with the plans to get married. And so we had Swamiji's blessings and we did. We got married and we've been married for now almost 18 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been a great blessing for both of us. I think our relationships, they help us work out our karma. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. sometimes... Uh, when we're on our own, we don't see our, our, um, our issues. Maybe we, we kind of can go along and everything is wonderful because we're only yes. with ourselves. <laughs> and when you have someone else there, you start to have like a mirror in front of you. And I think we've been that for each other. It's been an, a tremendous growing um, relationship and both of us. I know in another context, which is actually the same context of, of making a decision to get married very fast, Swami's comment was, it doesn't take time to make a good decision. It takes energy to make a good decision. And sometimes it takes people time to accumulate the energy, but if you can just accumulate the energy, then right. it doesn't take time. So you're a living proof of that. That's just marvelous. And now, your work is you work with the Korea ministry. What does that mean that you do from there with that? Yeah, this is uh, an incredible blessing and uh, something I never would have imagined. Mm-hmm. I, um, I do want to add one uh-huh. special blessing that I got is that I received Korea for the first time through Swami uh-huh. in Italy, totally on, um, totally by divine grace. Uh-huh. It was not anything that I planned in any way. I I went to Assisi, Italy, uh, doing a karma yoga program right before I moved here. Mm-hmm. And Swami, and I was ready to take Kriya Yoga. And I, you know, never expected that it would be through Swamiji. But he 
uh, I think it was one of his last Korea initiatives. I was going to say, he didn't give Korea very often. You really, you got in just under the wire there. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I feel like there was something in that that really, um, mm -hmm. that was so special. I mean, just even how I got to Italy was so, just all these circumstances lined up for me to be there to receive Korea from him. And now in the Korea Sangha, I just feel like um, it's an extension of that moment that's <laughs> somehow. But that's just perfect. Yeah. Perfect. You know, that's, that says enough. I, I feel that my whole life is taking what Swami created and gave me and then just trying to give it back. So when you say that your song, your service is just an extension of his initiation, I completely understand that. So Swamiji has played a big role in your spiritual life, I would say. Would you say that too? Oh, absolutely. He, it is through him that I really have uh, grown spiritually, that I've understood discipleship, which still continues to evolve, of course. But I... Uh, I wouldn't be here without Swamiji. I don't know that I would even have found Master without Swamiji. I I didn't know of SRF until much later. I mean, I, I just, this was clearly the way that the divine had me, um, had plans for me spiritually. And, uh, yeah, I... I, before I came into the Kriya Sangha, I was, I did treasures along the path. Mm -hmm. For seven years, I was the uh, person who listened to the talks, chose the talks, had them remastered, sent them out. It, it started with Daya, Daya Taylor, mm -hmm. and she was asked to go to India, and I had a, a good friendship with her, and she, recommended me to take over treasures i was new i was pretty new here and it was in during treasures along the path that i think a lot of my growth happened mm -hmm. at ananda i mean a lot of other ways have mm -hmm. have contributed to that but i remember having a lot of uh, maybe vrittis coming up different psychological battles along the way when i was doing treasures specifically. And I would put on those headphones and I would have this image of me getting in a lifeboat, you know, with Swamiji's voice mm -hmm. and just this raging ocean of, um, of the past, you know, of all these, these things that were going on. And, him, it was him and I in the lifeboat, life and it would be like he would just help me ride through that. And I, I can't say how much I gained from listening to those talks. That was really my relationship with Swamiji. I did have some, I had maybe three or four personal, you know, uh, interactions with him in all that time. But I had a daily relationship with him, listening to his talks, transcribing them, trying to write a letter mm -hmm. about what the content was. Um, all of that was a huge training ground for me. And then, um, you know, later on, for about 10 years, I ran 
help develop the online classes. And that was yet another mm-hmm. tremendous training ground. And now here I am in the Kriya Sangha. It's just, um, I don't feel like any of it has been anything that I have done except for gotten out of the way and been willing. Yeah, very well, that's that about sums it up. I mean, I often ask, "What is discipleship?" But you just defined it for me: getting out of the way and being willing. Thank you, Devalila. That was a very, very touching story, and I'm just so pleased to have been able to hear it from you. You know, the soul's journey is always just so thrilling to the heart, and certainly God had you by the hand from start to this present moment, didn't He? Yeah. Thank you so much, Asha. It's been a pleasure. God bless you, my dear. Mm-hmm. Bless you.